What's up, team? Before we head into the episode, I just wanted to take a second to give a special shout out to Just Move. That is my online subscription platform. I have hundreds of workouts over on Just Move, anything from cardio, strength, mobility. We even have other coaches on there. You can do yoga, dance, and so much more. And right now, we have 50% off an annual membership. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to JustMove.com and let's get moving. What's up, team? And welcome to a very special episode of the Kaisa Show. Team, we have Coach Megan Young here today. Megan, how are you doing? Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, if you don't know, one, Megan is my good friend, but she is also the head performance. Is that the title you like to go by? Performance coach for Sounders? There's like strength coach, performance coach, head of everything. What's your official title that you like? Just performance coach. Performance head performance coach. Can I put that in there? She no, it does. Like <laughs> no. Kaiser likes titles. I like titles. Yeah. Um, also, she's one of two yeah. women in that position. So Seattle Sounders, MLS team, she is one of two. Let me repeat that. One of two women in that position paving the way. <laughs> <laughs> paving the way for so many more women to come you behind You guys did her. not tell me there were sound effects. <laughs> Mike is ready for that. That's just the only one. Yeah, I felt like it was necessary. The horn just felt real necessary. I and Mike, I'm so sorry I didn't introduce you, but everyone oh, knows. No. We, you know, yeah, you we know who I, am. I don't need it. This yeah, is I'm Mike. Good. This yeah. is Mike. What's up, y'all? So before I dive in here, I also just want to give a tiny little backstory. So today we're going to have tons of conversations with Megan about who she is, where she got her start, tips and tricks to be, you know, in her position today, and and so on and so on. But before we begin, I just have to tell a little little story so when i thought that i wanted to be a performance coach way back in the day i went back and i did an internship at the university of washington and i thought i want to train athletes and the head at the time his name was henry he said there's really only one other woman that i can connect there's only one woman doing this right now there's only one woman that i can connect you with her name is megan young and he connected us over email megan responded to me right away because you know young young trainer i was thinking i'm going to i'm going to send an email out there she's never going to get back to me right away and basically my life unfolded where I, I realized i didn't want to train athletes and so we never followed up years later <laughs> I was training at Vigor and it all came together because I met Megan for the first time and I was like, Megan Young, that sounds really familiar. And then I was like, did you coach at Auburn? Are you the (laughs) Megan Young? And it was her. How long ago? What was the time? 15 years. Wow. 10, 12, 15 years ago, a long time ago. That's pretty cool. You should frame that email. I should should find that. It was probably like some weird Hotmail account that I had. But going back to just say, like, Megan has been paving the way since the very beginning in terms of being a woman in this male-dominated field and just kicking ass. Like, still to this day, I can't believe that sometimes, I mean, when we're friends, you know, it, it goes into a different arena. But, like, being able to sit here today and have these conversations with someone that I had, like, idolized looking up to at that time and thought... How do I even get to be a fraction as smart as she is and just like understand what it takes to be in your position? So I'm very, as a fan, I'm fangirling. I'm so excited to be 
here today with you and to dive into these conversations. So thank you. I'm a you. fan of you too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got you, you, you have that. a good energy. I got to say, like when you walked in, I was like, oh, this is cool. This feels like, you know, it felt like you had this kind of this inspiring energy. And I, felt, I went downstairs for a second. I was just like, I just want to work out all of yeah. a sudden. I want to get stronger again. So <laughs> yeah. I like it when you guys started just chatting all trainer world and everything. It, it's Yeah, you get good, good energy. So I can imagine when you guys go out and... Good vibes yeah, all yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so Megan, I would like to go backwards yeah. a little bit and just give everyone uh, just... You know, you can go as brief as you want and just a little history in terms of where you started okay. um, and then, you know, being an athlete in college and then how you kind of got into the profession of being a strength coach. Yeah. And I guess I'll start with I didn't want to be a strength coach. Mm. Um, growing up, I was like, I'm going to law school. I'm going to be a lawyer. And when I was four years old, I was telling people I was going to be a lawyer and I would carry a briefcase around. So like, that's what you're dealing with right now. I love it. Um, and that person's still inside of this coach. So, uh, then, you know, sports was a big part of my life growing up. Um, I never actually played soccer. So interesting side note, but I played basketball, I played softball, I did karate, did mixed martial arts, like did a lot of those things when I was young. But going to college, I competed in shot put, discus, and hammer. But I didn't start doing that until I was in high school. And the only reason I did it is because of that kid carrying the briefcase around like straight A's, except my health teacher was also the track coach and said, you know what? You want that A, I'm going to need you to hop the fence and uh, come try out. And so, of course, like, I was like, he's serious. He was totally joking. But I I was like, so not legal these (laughs) days. He was totally joking. (laughs) Shout out, coach. Um, But I I jumped the fence and threw in a meet for my first ever time of trying to throw something and won. And I was like, oh, early success brings a lot of motivation. But um, that ended up being a gateway for me to understanding what my strength is, which is being very powerful and very strong. You might beat me in a 400, but my three steps are still here. Um, and so I went to college at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Loved it. I remember stepping foot on that campus for my recruiting visit and telling my dad, I was like, it's done. This is where I'm going. And it may have had something to do with the proximity to the ocean. May have not. Yeah. So, and I love that experience there um, through shot disc hammer and then my freshman fall, I was dealing with a little bicep tendonitis, um, as do most throwers, shout out. Uh, and my strength coach started working with me individually, which we were at a mid-major school. He was head strength coach, one unpaid intern for every team there. So for him to take the individual time with me, that already built a special relationship. And so he was like, you're coming in at 530. You're going to do these things and you're going to get better. So I did that. And I would show up and do whatever this man asked of me. Sled pulls for 800 yards down and back. Well, it doesn't matter. But when I saw the, not just the investment of my own physical effort into my performance of throwing and get better at that, but also the relationship I had with this person, two weeks after my first meet that spring, he goes, you're going to be a strength coach. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> so I changed majors, uh, flipped the script right then and there, and started spending all my other time volunteering with him. Wait, do you know what he saw in you at that time? Did you guys ever later on have that conversation of what that was? You know, we started off with nicknames and he'll still text me to this day. I called him Father Time. He was one of those 
tatted out guys listening to Metallica at all times a day, you're kind of like, he's going to hurt me or he's going to hurt me, you know? Um, and he would call me mother earth and I'd call him father time. Uh, and so he, he just brought that person he saw inside of me out. Kind of like when we talk sometimes and you're like, can you let a little more of your personality out? <laughs> he was my personality. And so for someone to see that in you, sometimes they have to see it before you do. Amen. And, um, I definitely came out of my shell in college. I was a leader on my team. I love being around everyone, connecting with everyone. And fun fact, no one knew my real name. I got an award freshman year at like the all athlete banquet. And, uh, they said my actual name, Megan Young. And everybody was like, (laughs) wait, did they call you mother earth too? No. So, uh, I got a nickname. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. Oh my God. Uh, I got the nickname of big mama when I was in college because I took care of everyone. So everyone on my track team was like, you're always there for everyone. You have everybody's back. Like you make sure we do the right thing. And so that became like the legend of my name, uh, for those four years. And so I will still get friends that hear this podcast now are like, Oh, there she is. So yeah. So living legend, there's that name. And that partly came from him, but everyone just kind of saw that maternal instinct. And I do want the best for everyone. And I have that servant heart. And so then channeling that into grad school, I was like, I know I want to be a strength coach. So back in uh, 2007, that time, there was only like five programs in the world that were exercise physiology based, but not lab based, Mm. meaning you have the lab expertise, but I knew I wanted to be a coach. So they had an applied strength and conditioning approach to it. So I think three of those were in Australia at the time. One was at Auburn University and one was at Baylor. So I was like, okay, is that what I'm going to do? Or should I just try and go like physical therapy school and have that knowledge and education to be a better coach? So I applied to all these different programs and I ended up deciding on Baylor. I went to Baylor and I actually taught classes as a GTA um, to pay for the school. But then I spent all my time as a unpaid volunteer with the athletics program. So you know, you're teaching four classes, you take night classes, and then you're spending 5am till you teach at 10. And then as soon as you're done teaching at one till about six, when you have class at six to eight, and then you sometimes eat and then rinse and repeat. And that's a year and a half of your life. It was one of the best years and a half of my life. So wait, can I pause and go back for a second? Did you know at that time that you wanted to be like a strength and conditioning coach? Were you like, I am certain that I want to work with athletes or what were you just thinking? You know, because there's a big difference between, I would say we can get into it later, but like being a trainer, being in the fitness world or being strength and conditioning and then kind of specializing in sports. So I got my first actual, and I forgot about this until you said that I got my first personal training certification when I was an undergrad and actually trained, um, some people at the rec center on campus Uh just to learn what it's like to train someone individually. And that was because my strength coach recommended it. And he was like, hey, you know what team side feels like? And I was programming for cheer and dance and and helping with cross country, my teammates. But he said, you need to know both sides. So most of the clients I worked with when I was in college were over 60. So I kind of got the feel of both sides. And I was like, I love team side. Mm. That And being young and being in athletics and being in team, it's easy to say, oh, you love team side because it's all you know. So what was that first cert that he, I'm going to, I'm going to get really detailed. I don't remember the first certification I got. I, I want to say it was, um, 
through NASM because okay. there is a class you take in physical education way back from my bachelor's where it pretty much helped you understand if you wanted to do certified personal trainer and then you could take a class and take a cert. So I'm pretty sure it was NASM. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Cool. Okay, so now fast forward. Yep. You're at Baylor. Why? Because at this point in time, you didn't necessarily need a master's in exercise science, which is what you ended up getting, but you didn't need that to be a strength coach, correct? You could have just yep. gone forward, intern, got your CSCS, and continued training. Sure, I, I could have. Um, I'm someone that thrives in like formal education. I love to learn, and I, I would consider myself a lifelong learner. Um, when I know what I'm getting out of it. So like for the educational process at Baylor and having um, the aspirations to know whatever the cutting edge was at that moment, even if it wasn't, it was all cutting edge to me because I'm new. All I had was basic physical education to go to exercise physiology and have ex-phys, cardiovascular, uh, muscle physiology and dive in deeper. That was important to me because I didn't want to just train people. I wanted to understand why. Ah, uh, amen. That's huge. Mm. Okay, and then also at that time, were you pretty clear? I know you're you're young. You're 22, 23, I would say, in grad school. Were you pretty clear that you wanted to do college or a specific sport? Did you know any of that right now? Yeah, I, I thought that I wanted to do basketball. Um, basketball countries where I grew up in North Carolina. It's you know It was the biggest sport at my school. We didn't have football. So Baylor was my first exposure to working with football. And we went through a coaching change through my first semester there. So I got to see what it's like to have a new team come in, uh, meaning a new performance team come in, a new coaching staff come in. And that whole transitional period, I've never seen anything like it. And I wasn't at a power five school. So that, that showed me a lot of different things too. And I was like, okay, I actually enjoy training football as well. I also enjoy working with, you know, women's softball and men's and women's basketball, but basketball, I was like, this is where I have the most knowledge. I didn't play football. So it was like, I, I understand their needs. I know I can train them. I know I can thrive within this team environment. But I thought basketball was more of my role. Um, and so after Baylor, I um, was like, okay, the the mainstream coaches I worked for there were younger and still in good positions, but hadn't been in the game as long. So I wanted to work for someone that had been in the game for a long time to be able to, one, garnish their respect Two, learn from them. Three, get on their network. So, Megan, we have to pause. Team, this is wild at 23 years old. Was Baylor a two year? A year and a half. A year and a half. At 23, 24, you're already saying to yourself, I want to be the best of the best. Yep. Here's how I'm going to do this. Like, yep. that's wild. That is amazing. Yeah. Obviously, there's a reason why you are where you're at today. So team, get out that notepad and take notes. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're looking around right now. Wait, can I go backwards real quick? Yeah. When you are at... So me personally, I'm just going to like interject a lot of my feelings in all yeah. this. I was so insecure just in being a trainer, feeling like I did not have the knowledge. When you were young, mm -hmm. you were in your grad program, and you were already coaching other collegiate athletes... You were confident at that point in time in, in your knowledge? I was confident in training because I'd been that collegiate athlete. I'd, I knew how to train. I knew how to move. I knew proper execution. So let's go into the certifications kind of that went alongside that. Um, I got 
my USAW while I was in grad school because I had done Olympic lifting and I enjoyed it. And then since I knew I wasn't going to compete professionally as a thrower, I was like, I really want to take a step into Olympic lifting more. And the basketball strength coach I was working under did a lot of Olympic lifting with his team. So I was like, let me get really good at this. And there was a course that I could drive to in Texas. So I was like, all right, you know, and, and I have a side job in addition to these jobs, by the way. So that to make ends meet, because you're making, you know, $750 a month on that GA stipend. So yeah, school didn't cost me anything, but cost of living is everything. So trying to piece all of that together, I think the it's important to understand the burden and the hunger that has to be there to be able to kind of go through these things. It can't just Amen. be, oh, I want to try this out. It was, I dove head first and that was all I had. Um, and I also got my CSCS in 2009. So I think I had to have my master's degree for my CSCS or that's when I took it because I could afford it. I don't recall back then. Yeah, you have to have a degree. Okay. Yeah, cool. it doesn't yeah. have to be necessarily master's, but yes. Great. And so um, my CSCS was like, we've made it. Yeah. You know, that that was like a big step forward. And um, if you don't know what that is, that's just through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, and they have a personal training trainer certification, but also a certified strength and conditioning coach. And we're just going to pause there, just taking a little detour, because I think for people, if you know at that point in time that you want to go into strength and conditioning and you want to work with athletes, you have to have your CSCS. So if I, at that, like from me going back into college, I was NASM certified. And at some point in time, if I decided I had wanted to move forward working with athletes, I would need to go back and get my CSCS. Yeah, for sure. And even now to get a job in sport in America, you have to it's unfortunate that it takes some bad things happening to make certifications mandatory. Um, but either your CSCS or your, um, SCCC, which is through the collegiate strength and conditioning coaches association. Those are kind of the two big ones. How long are those programs? So the CSCS was a class I took in grad school, literally that you go through every chapter of the book, learn all of that in addition to your other classes. And then you're like, okay, I should take this test now because mm. I just took a whole semester of coursework Gotcha. for your other certification through the CSCCA. You have to have your degree, but then you also have to go through an internship for a certain amount of hours under one of their master level strength coaches. So that was part of, well, who is that? who are these people and where can I go get that? Mm. Um, so that weighed into what opportunities I wanted to look into. So when I actually decided, okay, I'm going to interview for this professional internship at Auburn, the guy that I interviewed with mainly was Kevin Yoxel. And he at the time was the president of the CSCCA. So we're going to pause and go backwards just so we can follow this story. So Megan's at Baylor. Yep. She's looking around and she's saying, like, I want to be the best in the world. One of the most important things for me to do to be the best is to be training underneath the best. So as you were looking around, yep. one of the people that you were looking at and that you really respected was, what was his name again? I'm sorry. Kevin Yox. Kevin Yox yeah. at Auburn. Yep. Okay. So then you apply to be a trainer or to be an intern? To be a professional intern was the name of it. So like... Professional intern, you are not full-time. My paycheck, I think, was $833 a month. So we've gone up, not even $100. And now I have a master's degree from a private institution, an undergrad degree, and two certifications. Okay. I have goosebumps right now. Like, your grind is so real. This is so inspiring. Yeah, like, and I had to pay for my flight there. They're like, we'll reimburse you. And I remember, like, putting it on, I didn't even have a credit card at the time. And I, 
I looked at my bank account and it had like $20 in it after I bought that flight. And I'm like, that's just what it takes. But yeah. it wasn't, I was never nervous because I was like, if it's right, it's going to work. So I think there's also that when you're young and you're so passionate, you can be a little naive. So a lot of strength coaches may get into debt and things and thank goodness I didn't have to go that route, but that needs to be something that's talked about more for young trainers and coaches. Oh yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being real about that. Cause I think it is really important for people to understand like there's so much grind and sweat equity. I mean, this is years now we're like three and a half plus years outside of your like college Now you're in your master's. Now you're heading into an internship. When so many people today say like, you know, there's an, a lot of ego. Like, well, I have my master's. I have all this education. I was a, I was a college athlete. Yeah. Like, I deserve this. And yeah. you were coming from the, from the point of like, I want to get as much knowledge as I possibly can. I will do anything. Yeah. I will barely <laughs> make it. I will scrape by to get this knowledge. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're at Auburn. So I'm at Auburn. I found a roommate on Craigslist. And I was sleeping on an apartment floor without a bed. Like that was the grind, but I couldn't have been happier because my goal every day was to beat coach Ox to the weight room. He got there at four sixteen every morning. I can tell you that. So that, but I loved it. I love being around that team. And then they gave me women's soccer as my team to program. So here we are 2010. I'm programming for women's soccer. I don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> and you are 25, 26, 23. Yep. Oh, sorry. Okay. 23. Yep. And so I'm just like, okay, these people are two years younger than me. Um, I'm working baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Okay, great. Um, I knew training though. So I knew what I knew. And I, I've gone through that identity crisis too. I love the identity crisis in grad school where you're like, I think I know everything. And then you get a job and you're like, I know nothing. <laughs> Yes. And you're like, where to, you know, there's people that have already read every elite FTS article and every West side article and done every athletic thing. And they know who Mike Boyle is and they've watched all the DVDs. And I'm like, where do you start? And it was like, where I started was in actual training. Like I had trained myself and I just kept training and I kept training modalities and changing programming. So it was, I've been very strong. Now I've done more Olympic lifting then when I was at Auburn, I was like, how athletic can I get in a different scope? So what does it look like to express more like a basketball athlete instead of like a thrower? So that required fitness, which wasn't a fun transition. Uh, um, throwing fitness and basketball fitness are very different worlds. But anyways, because the, you were testing on yourself. Is that thousand percent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I, I needed to understand. Yes. I, OK, let me fact. I will never understand what it's like to play 90 minutes of soccer, nor do I care to. <laughs> So running 10 miles is not something that I have on my bucket list. Um, You know, I'm not one of those people that turned 30 and said, let me run my first marathon. Like that was never a vibe. Uh, But I am interested to see how the body changes because we can control so much of that through how we eat, how we train and what we do with ourselves. Um, So fast forward, I was at Auburn for a year and a half and I get offered a full-time job. So now my goal had been to be in basketball, but now I'm working for a gold medal head coach in SEC basketball, which is the highest for women's basketball for my first full-time job. I'm like, insane, insane, right? SEC power conference, like working women's basketball, women's soccer. It's like, this is the life getting paid $30,000. This is the (laughs) life part of the life. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, in fact, check like one, when I was living in that apartment, when one of the assistant coaches for women's soccer found out that's what I was doing, 
I was required to move into his house and become roommates. And we lived together for six years. That's how I learned the game. Because all we did was watch soccer. And he taught me the game. And one of the ways I got so much investment from the head coach that had already been at Auburn, I think, for 10 years at that time, I started going to practice. Yeah. And they're like, no strength coach had ever come to our practice. Hmm. I was like, well, I don't know what you do. Like, I know there's a ball on your feet and there's a net, but like, I needed to understand the demands of the game. Um, and that was, that was something I was taught through grad school and through the great coaches I got to work under was they knew the demands of the game and of the position to be able to train people just a little bit better maybe than someone else. Okay. So if the, at this time you are not very much older than these athletes, are you like, where are you personally? Are you confident as you're training them? Are you feeling insecure? Feeling like I have my knowledge. I feel supported here. How, how are you feeling? I've never lacked confidence in my coaching. Wow. I like demanding um, respect on the floor and like what my coaching voice is. And a lot of that starts too with like, I think we mirror before we learn, you know? So if I'm around a football strength staff, I'm probably going to coach more like them and more in their energy. And I thought that was right. And then I came over here and I was like, oh, they coach really different. Well, I think I'm more like a hybrid of these. So I know how to demand presence and, and communicate my voice across a field. But I also love coaching in the individual moment and pulling someone aside and being much softer. Mm-hmm. So having that range of how you coach, I think, is really important. How you get your message across. I love that. And then when you were going back, I'm sorry, just because I come from so much insecurity as a coach. So I, I'm just I got to break this down. When you got your CSCS, when you graduated your master's program from Baylor, when did you start feeling confident as a coach? Because you're not very old. You don't have a lot of years underneath your belt at that point in time. And, you're, and you're coaching athletes at major schools. Yeah. I've, even before then, I was always confident. If got I knew it. something, I knew I knew it. And I'd just run with it. Okay. If I learned something new or learned something better, it wasn't like, oh, I shouldn't have been doing that. It's, oh, now I'm better. New tool in the tool belt. Exactly. So I never, the evolution of, yeah, we can get out a program of one of the first ones I ever wrote and I'd be like, I've got a lot better, but I wouldn't say like I was doing bad. I was Mm. doing best with what I knew at the time, Mm. but I've definitely learned a lot more since. I love that. Okay. So now you are coaching, you are fully doing the women's soccer at Auburn. And basketball. And basketball. Okay. I did those together for six years. Wow. So, uh, if you don't know, like the collegiate women's soccer season is kind of like beginning of August to hopefully you're playing in November in playoffs. Yeah. Basketball back then kind of first started in October and would go through March. Hopefully you're in March madness and summers were kind of up in there, a little different people train, whatever. By the end of that, basketball is pretty much full year round. NCAA's changed the rules where now they're practicing in summer. That schedule is different. Ma- majority of our soccer players would come in at least in second summer session, if not for both to train leading up minus incoming freshmen. So pretty much your year round. And I think the, I average two days off a year for those six years, <laughs> two days off a year, because you would have Thanksgiving tournaments, Christmas tournaments, right. maybe you get a day, day and a half, but you're still making the $30,000. So it's not like you could afford to actually leave and fly. Time is hard. So, you know, you have to understand your value of money, but also of time. So in, in those six years, are you, you're in a grind right now. And at Mm -hmm. any point in time, you could leave that industry and go, or you could leave, you know, the college setting and go private. You could make a whole lot more money. What was your mindset there? Were you trying to gain still as much knowledge and experience? Did you know where you wanted to go? Yeah, I I wanted to know more. 
Um, and part of that was I saw uh, what we could do with a huge staff with a football program. I knew that I could provide that same value in of one for my basketball and soccer players. And for those being women's sports compared to the men's, I was like, they deserve this. So it's on me to figure out how to make it work. So meaning you wanted to start filling the roles of like the physical therapist, the data no. analyst. So data was a very low level at this point. Like, but yes, that was part of it. I saw how important sports science was becoming. I was like, I need to get ahead on the curve on this to automate things because there's not three people to help me. I need to get ahead of the curve of what we're doing pre post training, understand nutritionally what we're doing to have those conversations. Cause I don't have a full time just for my team. Wow. So your the theme of you is to consistently say, one, how do I keep improving? Yeah. Two, like uh, the grind of at which you are doing all of this, like your dedication to this is unreal and unmatched. And I think at this point in time, that's something that people, especially new coaches really need to hear. Yeah. Like you are, you have so much experience at that time. You could go anywhere that you really wanted and you could really make bank anywhere. But you were saying like, these are opportunities that I'm going to learn and be challenged the most and become the best at in this field, what I'm doing right now. And that was what was most important to you. And that is like, that needs to be underscored and underlined because we don't live really in that world anymore. And that's yeah. what makes you one of two women <laughs> yeah. in your position today. Yeah. And part of it too was, so do you guys remember you had to take a GRE exam to get into grad school? Like you're basically, it's like you take SATs to get into college, you take GREs mm -hmm. to go to grad school, unless it's like your LSAT for law school or mm -hmm. something like that. So I would taken my GRE to get into Baylor and those expire after a certain number of time. So Auburn offers any full-time employee that's been there for a year to start taking a certain amount of classes for free. So it was the last year I could use my GRE score. I was like, never taking that again. So let me apply and get in a program to start learning something and taking free classes. Why would I not leverage that? I don't have enough money to just do continuing eds. So that's when I started my doctorate in adult education. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we get the like, dun, 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 dun. like Megan Young. Yeah, yeah. So good. This is wild. <laughs> Say that again. That's when you decided to go for your doctorate yep. in adult education. Yep. So let me give the full context for you get too excited. <laughs> that was like 2012. And so I start down the PhD route because it's like, okay, well, that's the highest. So that must be the best. So that's probably what I should do. And there were very few strength coaches going PhD routes so far. Now there's quite a few people as high performance managers. There's high performance PhDs now. That was not a thing. So for me, it was like, okay, adult education. I'm interested to understand how adults learn and what these systems are to better coach. So I saw the application. I met with one of the professors. I was like, this is it. So I started down that pathway. And uh, four years later, I was like, I still like this. I'm interested in it. And then kind of flipped the script a little bit. I'd been doing women's basketball and women's soccer for six years. Started this doctorate in adult education. Started working more with collaboration on campus. But then I get diagnosed with cancer. So everything takes a brief pause in 2015 for that. And you so, were how old? Uh, math, seven years. I was 30. Mm. So I turned 30 while I was in the hospital, 29, 30. So diagnosed with leukemia, go through treatment, come out on the other side of it. Oh, and in 2015, I had started, uh, before finishing my doctorate, I started a master's in information systems, 
uh, data science because that goes back to what I was telling you about the sports science curve. Can I just ask a question though, again, mm-hmm. because the motivation is like so fascinating to me. Are, are you in your mind, you're just so passionate about learning all these things. Are you saying, do you have this goal of, I want to be in professional sports and to be a female in that position means I need to know all of this. Did, were you just more motivated by having the degrees next to your name or, you know, like what, what yeah. was this? Yeah, it was just, I saw these knowledge areas being applied in performance and I was like, well, I want to understand it. So now, and honestly, it was in the realm of women's sport, because if we were going to, going to invest in a resource, it had to be a good one. I didn't know how to vet what a good technology company was. So let me go get a master's degree in information systems and in data science to understand, is this valid? Is this reliable? Is this a good system? Does this fit a framework? Do I have a system? So that really helped change my perspective on those things. So going back to that, I think that maybe, to be fair, there probably was an ego part to me of wanting a doctorate, but that's also why I didn't finish it. So I go through all the coursework. I take my, um, yep, whatever my exam's called that I don't remember right now, where basically you you have six hours to review and respond, and then they sit you down in front of your board, and you have to defend whatever your proposal is and go through all of that. So I do all of that, write my first three chapters, collect all my data information, which was on learning styles of student-athletes within women's and men's basketball and football. Like, I wanted to understand, do we learn different based on gender, based on sport, and based on age? And and there's a cool learning style assessment that if you ever want to understand how people learn, it's the only performance-based learning style assessment. I, I hate questionnaires that are more subjective, and it's like, do you feel you're like this or this? I was like, well, sure, I do right now, but how did I feel yesterday, and do I feel differently tomorrow, and does that change? So a performance-based one, like, it's either right or wrong. So it was a little bit more objective in nature. Went down that route, and after I went through treatment, I was like, I got what I wanted from it. I didn't need the letters behind my name. Mm. I don't care to be called Dr. Young. That's not Ooh, important that to me. has a ring to it. Honey! <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm engaged to one. So oh, yes, she is. <laughs> yes. Um, don't tell her I said that. I won't. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, coming up, like, you definitely have to develop some type of hard shell with that amount of coaching and also discovering who you are, right? Like, here I am living in Auburn, Alabama. At 26, I figure out I'm gay, and that's not something you necessarily want to handle at work, for mm-hmm. sure. So there was personal Megan, and then there was coach Megan. And then after treatment and going all this, it's like, okay, what's self-awareness, and who who am I truly? And then let me just be that person moving forward. So that's why I talk about that whole era of time as like one of the best things that ever happened because it solidified what's important to me and exactly who I am and what my values are. So moving forward from there, I finished the master's in information systems. Um, I love that experience and I love just understanding how different people think because I worked a lot with MBAs within that program with engineers. So project management and just all of that plays into what sports are. And most coaches don't know that their skill set transcends sport or personal training. It is business, but they don't see that. They don't see that connection. I'm like, you're doing lifestyle management. That is project management. They just have different terms in a different language. And that same insecurity maybe young Kaiser felt as a coach, a lot of people don't, they have that same insecurity of business. And I'm like, you can do that. You can make that transition. Um, so then the only thing I hadn't done yet was work in pro sports. So 2018, 
I get a call from Don Scott to come work a U.S. Women's National Team U23 camp. They were in a bind. They asked if I could do it. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm happy to. Most- soccer. We're, this is still soccer. Yep. Now. So I go out to Portland and basically run this camp for 10 days for the team. And um, did a really good job. Loved the experience. Wait, how do you just get that call? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you just get that call? You know, I don't actually know why I got that call other than her and I had run in similar circles of education um, over the years. Like I kept coming out to Seattle actually Uh, for the Seattle Sounders sports science conference because it was like soccer specific. And I was so hungry to understand soccer at a higher level. So when did you make that switch and realize soccer was what I, what I really want to dive into? No, it's just what I knew. I knew less about. Uh, So it was like, I was comfortable with basketball. I played the game. I liked the game. Got it. I can understand the differences in coaching styles. Like I can speak that language. Soccer was like, uh, I will always be less than because I didn't play professional soccer. So let me understand it at the highest level in every possible way. Meaning physiology wise, mathematically, like whatever it is. So just another theme, I'm just going to underline this. Like you're, you are constantly analyzing what you know and what it's going to take to be the best of the best of the best. And I think it's really important because it's probably going to be a lot of coaches listening to this, that if you do want to be the best of the best, you don't randomly get like plopped down there. You know what I mean? Like it's so much grind and work and you could look at what Megan's doing today and you look at her accolades. And I think it's really easy to just say like, oh, wow, you just must've known people and gotten there. But there's a reason you are here and it's wild. I haven't even heard this much of your story to understand. (laughs) Every single decision you made was to be, how do I continue to be the best of the best? And that means how can I get more knowledge in all of the possible fields that might lead into me, you know, being the best, which is amazing, Megan. And, you know, I guess that's one thing too, is like, I don't think I'm the best. And I never want to think that because I think the flip side of that is maybe I'll think that it's okay to stop learning. Mm -hmm. So it's not a goal for me to say I'm the best. It's for me to think that I'm the best version of myself. Mm. So I don't care to compare myself to whatever anyone else is doing in terms of that. Um, Sure. Do I want to win? Absolutely. Do I want to be successful? Yes. But that has nothing to do with someone else's title or role. Um, and, and that, that definitely is an ego shift from a young coach, I think to an older coach too. And I'm not old, so don't put that on me, but yeah, when we're, we're looking around at what everyone else is doing and it can be really lonely or you think that like, I'm never going to have what they have, or I deserve to have more than they have. And what probably helps you most in those time is to have really good friends trying to do the same things, maybe in a different field but around you. I've always had really good peers that we've built each other up and we've pushed each other to say like, and I've never worked with another female strength coach. So I've always been that in of one, but I've had really good female strength coach friends that I could call or they call me. And maybe it was just, we were training together. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be this, Oh, feel good story. Or maybe it was, we need to call and chat because this assistant coach went off their ass today. And I just need to rant because now they think jump roping is what's going to fix their players issue. And I'm like, just cause you jump roped in the eighties doesn't mean it's going to help this player right now. <laughs> so yeah, th- there's all those things that happen along the way that along the journey, which are normal, but I spent all my vacation I spent every, probably for that 12-year stretch on learning more. It was me going to this conference. It was, can I get more continuing education money? Okay, no, I'm spending my own money. And that that just was, it filled me up. So it wasn't mm. taking away. 
Okay, but also, again, prioritizing, like, I think this is the other thing is like, you can't have it all. There's no balance in all of it. And if you want to be at the top of your game, you're sacrificing constantly on so many other aspects of your life because you just really can't do it all. And, and for you, you know, I'm, I don't want to sit here and say like, well, that's, that's what it takes. And that's what you have to do if you want to be a good coach. I think there's many different ways to be a great coach, but for someone like you, that's in such a a highly competitive industry and also just to name it, to be a female in in this position, you knew you must've been highly aware that you were going to have to be at the top of your game. And so that was like a non-negotiable for you. Like the rest of my life is going to be put on pause. Mm. I'm going to be spending all my time doing this because that's what it's going to take. Yeah. And I don't think it was like, Oh, I'm giving up life. I didn't know another life because I think I just turned from that athlete to that coach. So I was still just in the same place, just wearing the different shoes. Yeah. Instead of being the one going to training, I was going to observe training, monitor training, whatever. Um, But yeah, that, that is for some people a big decision uh, that they have to make. For me, it was, I was hungry for it. Um, Okay. So you get called up. So I get called up. And you get the call because you're in all these, you know, people know who you are now, obviously. People are hearing Megan Young's name. You must be doing I think, honestly, I was that person that just kept coming around. They're like... (laughs) Oh, she's here again. All but right. we, I say this to so many young coaches. I'm like, be the squeaky wheel. Yeah. You're not going to do, like, you have to be that somewhat annoying person. Yep. And I always say it to me. Like, if you've asked me a question, I haven't responded. You should be bugging me again. Like, you should yeah. be that. So my first CSCCA conference in 2009, I took my certification exam because I'd finished my time under an internship with Coach Yox to be able to sit for the exam. They give an award to two to three people that they feel do the best on the practical application part of the exam, like the actual programming and coaching. So I've won that award. It's called <gasps> the John Stuckey Award. Yeah. So people off the bat in 2009, they were like, oh, congratulations. I was like, I don't know who John Stuckey is. I have to figure <laughs> oh, that shit. Out. Yeah, it was a real thing. So um, I know who that is now, legendary coach. And that's part of it too. A lot of strength coaches in college don't know the history of strength and conditioning. Yeah. There's a really good book that came out called Strength Training in America, which gives a somewhat perspective of it. There's a lot of females they didn't talk about in that book that they should have, like Meg Stone and these people. They should have leveraged a little more, but that's okay. Like, shout out to them for doing the work. But yeah, and so since then, I leveraged that opportunity of meeting all those coaches to following up. I wrote every one of them a handwritten card for Happy New Year's or Good Luck in Season. And I did that for 10 years. Megan team are we taking yeah. notes <laughs> where did you get this like were you raised this way or did this just like come to you like is this just sort of your makeup like this is yeah. just how you are that's how i am yeah yeah because i feel like so many people like want to you know it's like they oh it's like my father was in the military you know or whatever but it's so interesting like when you said that you didn't lose out on social life or whatever it was like this would like this was your life like you weren't looking at it as there was two options either i you know, forget all this to go here. You're like, no, like, this is just already where I was. Like, this is why would I, where would I, where else would I be? Like, yeah. that's just, yeah. And I, but I think it's wild. I think to be elite, you, you have to think elite and you have to think differently. And especially at your time, like what's amazing to me is at that time, you were not putting barriers and restrictions on yourself. Cause again, I just have to go back to like when I wanted to be in that, I was a few years behind you. The only person that Henry could show as an example of someone that was starting to do what I thought I wanted to do was you, you know what I mean? So it's like, you weren't looking around and seeing other females in professional sports or really even 
as your peers, I'm sh- I'm sure at that time, it's amazing to have one, like the self-confidence and like, and the determination to say like, I'm going to fucking do this and I'm going to fucking shatter the ceiling. And like, mm-hmm. here we come, here I come. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean it was easy mm-hmm. for sure. And then I think the other part of it, I think I probably wrote hindering one of those cards along the way. So that's might've been why he remembered that. Um, but on the flip side of that too, it's, um, I kept getting better personally as well as professionally, but better for me personally was still tied up a lot in training. Like mm-hmm. I still enjoyed learning how to do different styles of training, learning different methodologies and playing around and using myself as that test subject. So, um, I, I there's plenty of college strength coaches that would tell you like my athletes have never done a program that I haven't done. I'm like, well, mine have because they're better than me in a lot of things. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't do, especially at this level, like I can't do a lot of the things my guys do, Mm -hmm. but I can demo the things I want them to do very well. Um, And there's a whole conversation around, do you have to be able to do the things you want your athletes to do? And I think if you can do them at a foundational level and let them express it at the highest level or show that gap in difference, you can still be a really good coach. You don't have to look like one of your pro athletes to be a really good pro coach. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay. I'm going to bring it back then. So right. women's soccer, you're yep. out there, you get, you get called up, yep. you're out there coaching. Crushed an opportunity of a 10 day camp, uh, in 2018. What and does it look like for Megan Young to crush this opportunity? Like yeah, the girls it, are on fire, you're on fire. It means understanding and learning very quickly of what their data system was of how to upload, turn around, send out reports to the coaches of what was important in that timeline for a GPS system I had never used, uh, and just figuring it out. Wait, hold on. What is a GPS system that, because I think a lot of strength coaches don't even realize how much data goes into training now. Yeah. So we used a different GPS system at Auburn, but this was a different system. So a different way to download, upload, splice, cut, send out reports, and handle all of those things. So it didn't matter as much because if you understand systems really well, you can figure out the follow this list on how to download and upload, but context is important. Yeah. Hold on. Cause even you're still talking over heads as she does quite often. Try having conversations with Megan team. It is amazing. <laughs> I get smarter each time. So, but here's what's happening. The, so at Auburn, the girls yeah. are wearing heart rate monitors and they're wearing GPS systems as yeah. they're training and yeah. practicing and playing so that they can start managing their data. So yeah. over training or like go into that in a little sure. bit more detail so if you don't mind. Basically, probably where it started was we need to understand the cost of training and the cost of a game to be able to better manage what our value is. And is it different for different positions? Is it different for different people? Um, two people in the same position might have different skill sets, which leverage to look different based on physical data. So maybe you're faster than me and you run a lot more like this up and down high speed running, but maybe I change direction a lot more. Well, does that also lend us an advantage of playing style? If we have 20 people that are better at this in college because maybe we didn't know, maybe we should do more of that when we play. So that allows for good conversation with coaches on how to understand what they want. And so with basketball, same thing. Oh, coach wants to be a high-pressing team. 
Well, that might look like this with some of that heart rate information and some of that GPS information. Well, how can I put them in a better position to be able to handle those loads? Well, maybe it's actually still work done in the weight room, or maybe it is certain types of cardiovascular work. So that data allowed us to take what we saw as like gray and make a little bit more black and white. But this is so incredible. And the advancements there, yep. this wasn't happening when I was in college. And I think it's yep. like, it, it's incredible because when I was in college, my strength coach, who I loved he wasn't even in conversation with my fields coach to know how intense my practice was that day. And because I was a heptathlete, I was practicing for five plus hours out on the field. And then I'd come into the strength room and he wouldn't, I'd have like a PR day. And I'm like, I can't even perform right now, but there was no data. There was no, there weren't even conversations happening. So it's incredible to start bringing that in to say like, at the end of the day, how can we set up the best environments for our athletes? And then ultimately the team to excel at the highest rate and, and, you know, data and understanding that comes from managing their heart rate, managing GPS, literally like managing and watching what they do on the field. It's wild. And I think that boomed really fast and it was like, oh, there's sports science and what we can measure at training and maybe we can predict injuries and maybe we could do all these things. And then it kind of siphoned back down to, Oh shoot, sleep and nutrition are still really important. Mm. So it, it, like, I think we've kind of ping pong back and forth over those things, but that's when people are doing readiness testing with like Omega wave or fatigue science to watch sleep. And it's like, yeah, you can be highly specific, but it may not matter unless the education or the behavior change is there. Uh, for whatever you're trying to get out of your athlete. So do you think that strength coaches today have to be able to understand all the data or is that only in, you know, collegiate and professional sports? Like, can you, can you be in those sports without understanding the data or is that just, cause I'm not in those fields. Yeah. So I don't even know what's yeah. happening. I think it depends. Like um, you can be on a staff where there's five people and it's one person's role to understand contextualize and relay and then maybe it's not your job to do that or maybe you're at an under-resourced team in pro or college and you are doing all of that i can't wait to dive into that but i want to pause and go back in chronological my, my brain is like putting this in <laughs> chronological order okay you've just done an amazing job at yep. this camp yep. with these incredible u23 athletes yep. or whatever they were and now what? And you're still training at Auburn at this time. You're yeah, still this coach. was just a camp in January. My head soccer coach said, yes, absolutely. You can go. It's a great opportunity. She probably still to this day regrets it because it's what helped catapult my career Got forward it. too. Um, and so the next year I get a call again from Dawn saying, would you be interested in going to work in the WSL? And I'm like, absolutely not. NWSL, National Women's. Soccer league. Soccer league. Yeah. Very good. I should know that. I'm a soccer player, but woof. So then we have plenty of conversations and she convinces me slash shows me. And part of it was I was really comfortable at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Here yeah, I, I was going to say, why no? Yeah. Um, so why no was because now I'm working with our med school and we have a, a, a med school in osteopathic medicine. So I'm loving having these I have four doctors on my sidelines of a women's soccer game. Then I get to go sit in a cardiothoracic like lecture. And now we're doing cross-campus research. And I have so much value and respect from my highest level of our medical side, I think just for surviving cancer and them seeing that, but also garnishing respect of them realizing how much I had done on myself for the 12 years I had been at Auburn. Um, so I was like, I'm in a great place and I have more resources than any team 
at a professional level can have because it's called a college campus. So if you can network and have really good relationships there, we were doing biomechanical engineering analysis with 3D camera systems and force plates on my women's soccer players. They're not doing that at the highest level. So it's like, why leave when I'm learning so much? Are you still getting paid 30 grand? No, I think I was at 50. So 50, actually I might've been at 60. No, 65. So the filter for you is just like, where do I learn more? And where you were, you were like, oh, I'm definitely learning more here. Yeah, exactly. So then I'm convinced to come up to Chicago to just look at it. And I meet some of the players and I like saw immediately what my impact could be. And I was like, shoot, now I feel called to be here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can learn more here. Yeah, exactly. Well, now I can apply some of the things I've learned because they're at Mm. a two and I know I can make it a seven in year one. So I take the job in Chicago. And part of the reason for the pressure of the job was that was a World Cup year for women's soccer. And I think at the time we had six or seven players that were going to the World Cup. So the um, U.S. and Australia. So it was like also just trying to work in really tight collaboration with the Federation with Dawn to make sure they were ready, but also doing my job for Chicago to make sure we were winning. And so that was a... a vast learning experience in that first year. And we end up going to the finals for the first time ever with the club. We beat Portland first time in six years. Like I'll never forget that experience. And my, my players that go to the world cup are very successful. And I'm like, just proud to be able to support them. So it's like, and if people don't know, let me just stop they, that you were at women's professional soccer. That's yeah. so it's Chicago red what, stars. Red stars. Yeah. yeah. So that's what you had had jumped to. Yep. So my title there was like high performance director. And again, like I don't care about titles, but they are important when it comes to like resumes and leveraging opportunity. So even though you may feel it's weird to ask for a certain title, all you should still ask. And so, at, but at that time, you what that title meant to you is that you were doing strength and conditioning. So you were like in the actual day in and day out with them. So what that meant was I was in the coaches' meetings to help them decide what we were doing at training. So programming the on-field periodization as well as in the gym and handling what are we able to provide nutritional support-wise, trying to educate the club on what the need is because it was far behind what I thought the standard should be. Unbelievable, Megan. Okay. So we're there for a few years. We're there almost three years, and um, I get an opportunity to come to the Sounders, and um, I jump on it. You know, I, uh, it's very rare where sports and being a coach within sports aligns with life. And it just so happened my partner used to live in Seattle. She wanted to be back out here. And we lived three years, seven winters in Chicago. So I was like, done. We're, we're back in Seattle. So, um, you know, I didn't necessarily like leaving before the season was over. Um, but I, my last game with Chicago was actually in Seattle on the 10th of October. And my first day with the uh, – the Sounders was on the 11th. So now we've been here for just over a year. Megan Young. So, yeah. and you are literally one of two women. As far as I know. In MLS yep. right now. How? On the performance side. There the, are more women on the medical side for sure. Got it. Okay. And so, and your official role yep. with the Sounders yep. is? Performance coach. Performance coach. Yep. Uh, different than strength and conditioning? Is it more encom- like all encompassing? So this role is more off field. Basically, what's happening in the weight room? What am I helping? So we would have a nutritionist. What am I helping support from a nutritional 
impact? What am I helping uh, as far as what are we doing in lifting? What are we doing in activation, mobility work, and in rehabs? And then, and you went from coaching women for the majority of your life to now coaching men. Mm. How was that transition? I think I've coached equal amounts of men and women. It just my full time work had been mostly with women's sports. I think if you looked at my total hours of work, I've probably done similar. Got it. Um, okay. But professionally, I'd only coach women, and the the only difference between coaching men and women, as far as like people and team, is that the men are paid enough to be able to just train, whereas the women are still underpaid. So there's a whole different stress dynamic there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I actually want to pause because I want to dive into the nitty gritty of your training. I feel like this has been amazing to learn your story of how you've gotten to where you are today. Because again, it's so easy for people to say like, oh yeah, you know, it's Megan. And I think people always undercut and just say, you must know people like, you know, however you got there. And it's so important for us to understand how many years and the dedication and the sacrifices and like the passion you have around education, around constantly being better, um, you know, in order to get to where you are today. What I want to do is just pause here because I feel like it's going to be a whole nother conversation for us to dive into training and like training these athletes and what does that mean and that side of things so nice work i don't know if you just witnessed what just happened but did you feel that transition (laughs) yeah that was really good did you feel that yeah it was very smooth he didn't have she always acts like she doesn't have it and then it just (laughs) mike is such a cheerleader okay team so here's the deal hold on i did have one question okay so I was at towards the end. I was like, okay, there seems like there's two things. There's like the learning and then there's creating impact. And it seems like the learning, you learn, learn, learn to then create impact. Would you say that one drives you more than the other? Like, is it like if you could only learn or you could only create impact, which I know is that yeah. one kind of supports the other, but yeah. I'm just curious, like, I think that the learning has always come from wanting to make impact. Okay. Mm. For sure, it's always the impact first because it's been, oh, I see a need. Like, oh, there's seven people supporting this team. I need to learn more to create that impact at this level. Yeah. Or they don't have these things. I need to go there to make that impact and then figure out how to learn more. Yeah. Because it's interesting when you said going to the Sounders or even going to, was it the Sounders? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. It's like, you know, you to, What's going on with your lights here? Did we just get a light off? It's a ghost. <laughs> Someone's in here. Uh, like how to make that decision. Just like, oh, is it more like I could keep learning, but like maybe the opportunity for more impact is here. That seems like that would be a really hard thing to kind of gauge which is the better yeah. route. And I think it, it kind of like circles back, right? Like I invested a lot in my time with Chicago and now I'm at a place where there are more resources but now I'm spending all my time investing in one lane as opposed to seven. And so I think life ebbs and flows like that. And probably it'll get to a point where I'm back to seven at some point, but I'll be better for having spent time in one again. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to just be coaching right now. Um, maybe again, I'll want to be a leader at some point in a high performance role where you're managing all of those things. But I, I, I think that it's important to know what you actually enjoy and then finding 
people talk about this theoretical thing of work-life balance, but being able to find what you actually enjoy out of each of those and then spending more time in that and leaning into that more. Yeah. Okay. And then we're pausing there because I want to know what you enjoy about all this. So we're going to pause. Team, this is part one because obviously we can sit here and have a conversation with Megan all day, every day. Like you are so fascinating and inspiring, Megan. So we're going to pause here. Part one of our incredible episode with Megan. Megan, thank you. Mike, thank you so much. Yes. Team, thank you for tuning in make sure to come back for part two peace